premiere, Betty. You're going to be in the movies. And the person interviewing me wrote those words down, looked up from his piece of paper and said to me, so do you think we're going to like that? Yeah, I, I do what I do today, Kathy, because of a fourth grade field trip. No credit to me, just me fumbling along with what I knew at the time and the dog being very forgiving of my mistakes. It's always funny to me how people talk about taking responsibility. As if responsibility were something outside of themselves. The truth? I don't take responsibility. I get to be responsible. It's about integrity. That's one of the things I talk about with today's guest, Brian Solis. I've known Brian a long time. And in addition to being a masterful shapeshifter, he has his finger directly on the pulse of the tech industry. And he has for some time. He's called a digital anthropologist. Essentially, that means he noodles on things like what technology is doing to society and why people behave the way they do with it. And then he helps business executives and the businesses they run be smart about what they build and use. He's been an industry pundit and analyst, and these days he hangs his hat at Salesforce. Thanks to some digital snafus, this chat was shorter than I'd have liked. It's pity, because just as we were getting warmed up, digging into unvarnished discussion about the problem of apologist attitudes in tech, he had to race off to a meeting in Australia. But trust me, the conversation we do have is splendid. So sit back, relax, and get ready to listen. I'm Kathy Brooks, and this is Talk Unleashed. Because I know his time is short, I am going to get very quickly into a conversation with this fabulous man who I have known, Brian Solis. You and I have, well, because we were only two or three when we met. So we've known each other for a really long time. <laughs> That's right. It's right. I can't believe I'm going to go on 18 now. I know, right? Again, <laughs> again and again and again. So Brian, you are someone, the word... The word that comes to mind when I think of you, there are there are a few. One is transformation and one is opportunity. Um, that you are someone from I, when I very, when we very, 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 very first met, you were in, in communications um, and you, I knew you as a photographer, you were always had, always had your camera and you were taking pictures at all of the events. And I watched you navigating the evolution of who you intended yourself to be, really finding your voice and moving into the space you're in now, which is one of the most well-regarded voices, uh, industry analysts. It's really the wrong word. You're really a digital anthropologist. You know, technology, people, people's behavior, how do those things work and not work in one place and how can how can those who make technology be responsible stewards of that technology um i would love to hear from you on your your own view of your transformation and and what that path has been like for you well you know it's it's uh, it's wonderful to see it's wonderful to see you cuz it's been a really long time and uh, going back to the days of which uh, you're referring, this is 1999. Uh, <laughs> seems like a lifetime ago. I mean, I guess in many, in many ways, 
It was. Uh, so when when we first met, I was in communications by proxy. I was actually a, a, a wannabe programmer and technologist and moved to Silicon Valley in 1996 uh, to start my career in technology formally uh, in Silicon Valley. I had been involved with uh, up and coming personal networking companies like uh, when LAN adapters were a thing and... <laughs> Just, just uh, you know, dating myself a little too much. But the um, the opportunities, I'll never forget. Uh, a very wise person uh, was coaching me as I was making the move from Los Angeles to Silicon Valley in '96, and he said, uh, "You know, you're you're capable of so many things, but Silicon Valley wants you to be one thing." And what's that one thing? And I said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to be a technologist. I'm going to help maybe be a product manager. I'm going to help guide technology development and help it find its enterprise markets. Cause it was all about enterprise hardware at the time. Uh, and that actually was harder uh, than I thought to get in uh, because to be a product manager, you have to have years of product management experience. Uh, and here I thought, well, Silicon Valley is the land of opportunity. Uh, and I was given an opportunity to take those technology skills and apply them uh, to a marketing and communications agency uh, to sort of speak the language, if you will, uh, to translate between technology and reporters, uh, advertisers, uh, and to help create content, help create campaigns, help create launches that would help make technology companies um, more meaningful. Uh, and when that's right around the time that Web 1.0 really started to uh, take off, and that's when all the events really started to happen, then again, all over with Web 2.0. Uh, and I still never put to rest those aspirations of being a technologist. Uh, the I guess the, sh the long story short is that the ability to communicate between all of this speeds and feeds and complexities of what digital was and the opportunity for what it means for its intended audience, whether that's a business audience or a consumer, was actually a rare, uh, a rare talent. Uh, and it's what, helped, it's what helped a lot of these companies that you and I know become what everyone else knows now uh, and help grow. Uh, but it was also during those times where I recognized that that translation between technology and people was what was missing. And that's when I became uh, an aspiring digital anthropologist. It didn't exist uh, at the time uh, and realized that my biggest impact would be studying those changes and speaking those insights back to executives, helping them understand people as they were changing, helping them understand how to better navigate business model innovation or transformation for these changing times. Uh, and that is uh, that was among the biggest shifts in my life. And also the photography that you mentioned, uh, I was an aspiring historian. Uh, and I just felt like and you know it, you know, we all talked about these these days, you know, seeing Sarah and thinking about, you know, when Sarah, you and Tony Shea and I were all together in Las Vegas. And we have you know, all of this is we have pictures of all of this stuff because it just felt like these were really amazing times. And these were really amazing people that we were just hanging out with on a Tuesday night, talking about the future of technology and the web. And I just wanted to document it all. So I taught myself how to take good pictures. And, 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 a, and, and as an aside, because those were all creative commons in terms of, of, of licensing, 
uh, basically all of those pictures became everybody's Wikipedia pictures. And also, uh, I, I still, to this day, I mean, how many years are we talking now? To this day, I still get uh, pings about, you know, from the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal doing a story on Mark Zuckerberg or recently with uh, Tony Shea, may he rest in peace, you know, taking these pictures and still using them uh, as as the license or you know, the royalty free, if you will, pictures. Uh, so it's been it's been a, it's a, been a long journey for sure. And a wonderful one. Uh, I was remembering back to a uh, it was a CES in Las Vegas and you and I were sitting. So we were sitting at a, a, a bar for something, waiting for something. And then we ended up and then Frank joined us. And then we ended up, we ended up, I think at the forum shops and I have a photograph and I had just gotten a thumb drive that was a, a Yoda. And I still have this photo and it pops up all, all the time in my memories. It's, you know, like this close up of Yoda with you and Frank uh, in the back, in the background. And I have to see this picture. I will have to, I will forward. <laughs> I remember that night though. I remember the taxi ride to the, 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 the <laughs> there was a conversation about leather pants. It was, it was a whole, I think I was sitting at the bar. I happened to be wearing leather pants as one does. And the napkin wouldn't stay on my lap. And I commented something about leather pants and napkins. It was a entirely inappropriate, but entirely hilarious moment in time that I don't think I'll ever forget. Unforgettable was, would be a safe way to describe uh, it. Unforgettable for sure. <laughs> so, you know, it's, we look at, you know, you, you talk about these, you know, this ability to communicate. It's obviously, it's the thing that makes us human. It's the thing that separates us, though all species have some means of communicating with each other, having been working entirely with dogs for the last, you know, nine and a half, one hundred percent of the time, nine nine and a half to ten years now, um, and for a couple decades before that, I know that dogs communicate. You know, they have body language, they have vocalizations, you know, all of that. Um, but complex communication, complex brain algorithm, if you will, of comprehension is a particularly human trait. Um, and technology seems to have both enhanced as well as detracted from our humanness. Um, one of the recent pieces that I read from you was around really this, it, what I took away from it was the, the imperative of being responsible, not just about the technology that's put out, but about the way that we use it and the way that it is used. So I would love your perspective on, on that as, as someone who is in a space where you are tasked with supporting businesses and helping businesses to utilize technology, what are the messages that you feel important to pass on about how we can be responsible stewards of, of that which we use? You have to want to be. I think that's the problem. Uh, I, we are so drunk on this ability to do and say whatever we want online whenever we want uh, and seek seek the accolades for doing so and not experiencing the accountability. Uh, and that, I think, and, and this is funny because a friend of ours, Ice-T, actually said this on social media, which was uh, too many of us has gotten, have gotten comfortable with saying whatever we want without getting punched in the mouth on social media. And it's, it's that quote, I still use that quote in presentations because it is, we've created, we've created monsters. 
Uh, and that, that, that has also created what I call digital narcissists and that narcissism is fueled and fed every single time, like an addiction, uh, when people are online, it's what's leading to the, the, the spreading of conspiracy theories, the uh, acceleration of radicalization online, the division that's sown in our own civilization. Uh, it just, it's, it's none of it's good. And earlier today, this, and there's, and there's video of this. So you could just hit me up if you want to link to this, anybody watching, I was speaking with one of the fathers of the internet, Vint Cerf, and he was just talking about this very thing that, that for, for the, the web and for humanity to survive, there has to be not just responsibility, but accountability. Uh, and since we can't do it for ourselves, uh, that that's going to have to fall in the platforms. And it's not really, you know, Facebook, Meta, uh, I mean, YouTube finally came around, but we, the monster was already out of the cage at that point. And so there has to be, it's, it's, I think it's going to have to be through policy uh, and unfortunately regulation if we want to have a shot at not just saving our relationship with digital and its impact on us, but also uh, how that in turn translates our actions in the real world. Uh, and there's a lot of opportunity for us to fight back in that, in that regard. Uh, you know, to, to uh, you know, like the matrix, take the pill, wake up and go do something about it. But un, un, until, until we get a concerted effort around it, we're just individual voices. Some of us larger than others uh, talking about that. We need to do this. So I almost feel like the, the, the issue gets to be sandwiched from top down and bottom up, meaning um you know, when I think about this idea of individual responsibility, I was talking a bit earlier about, you know, how did a dog become a dog? Like, what was this? What's the secret sauce of domestication? Well, there's there's actually data on this. There's scientific research that shows the secret sauce of domestication is curiosity and interest in something other than self. So, meaning. I'm not going to run away from you because I'm afraid and I'm not going to run at you and try and tear you in half because I think you're a threat. I'm curious. I'm going to stick around. I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to figure things out. However, if you think about that from the larger picture, I'm not going to use the word meta because now it's been dirtied. <laughs> but if I look at this from the bigger picture, at the devolution of our species, by the silos and the buckets and the compounds into which we're shoved by one or two simple searches, right? I do a search, I do another search. It's a search on a topic. I read an article on a particular site. All of a sudden I'm fed same, same, you know, with people who are reading same, same, who are interested in same, same, and those walls are seemingly insurmountable. And so creating a, a frictionless place where people can come together who disagree because people are going to disagree. Tribalism is a thing. We're going to have our places, but it's about how do we remove that, that point of not only do you disagree with me, but I'm going to tear you in half and leave you bleeding by the side of the road. Like, and I don't know that that's the platforms. I don't know that the platforms can, or even regulation can change that because we're talking about human behavior. 
Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm trying to squeeze a lot into this, this response because it's such a thoughtful thought and question. Uh, so let me, let me just be really honest with those who are watching. Uh, you and I were tech apologists. Uh, we, we helped promote a lot of these things that, that were somewhere around 2014, 2015. I really started to notice uh, a lot of the digital anthropology work that I was doing was really just aimed at things like customer experience, digital transformation, uh, innovation, product innovation, uh, all, to, all to keep up that momentum. But uh, I started to notice a lot of really crazy activity uh, that was leading to the increase in chatter around the, U the UK leaving the European U Union. And I started to do research around, because uh, it just didn't, a lot of it just didn't look normal. And I started to uh, study with some of our other friends the sources of some of the some of the purveyors of this conversation to uh, essentially popularize the idea of what became Brexit. And also uh, around the, that time, we started the uh, Democratic and, and, and Re Republican con uh, conventions. Uh, so 2015, 2014, uh, that the same thing was happening all over again. So it started to look at what, what is happening, uh, and that led to a bunch of research that became a South by Southwest keynote around how we were being manipulated by bots and whatever was behind those bots, uh, which we would later learn who was and who still is, uh, and what it was doing to society and how it was going to play out and what needs to happen. Uh, fast forward, uh, I did also at the same time research, and this was actually for a global luxury beauty brand, on the effects of Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok on a woman's definition of beauty and self-esteem, and whether or not those, those using those apps affected their perception of reality. Were they the same person online that they were in the real world? And all the bad things came out of that research, as you could imagine. So jumping ahead, uh, it turns out that as we would later learn in the Netflix documentary, uh, Social Dilemma, that those behaviors, because this is what you know, comes down to the behaviors that you brought up earlier, that behaviors were actually intentionally designed or manipulated, whatever word you want to use, uh, to do new things in the favor of the app. Essentially, how can I get more of your attention by changing your behaviors to do things on this platform? Whether that is like TikTok, the latest trend, the latest dance, whatever, that you are wired now to be be part of that as as your daily routine your daily behavior that is it's subconscious it's second nature but what they didn't study because for example this is a course taught at stanford from a friend of ours bj fogg persuasive design uh, so no one did until i started and then then trist well tristan did research too but i started with with the the digital anthropology like what what happens to us emotionally and psychology over time? And here I am, one of the champions of all this tech early on, now studying the negative impact of this and having to then present those findings at the next year's South by Southwest. And someone comes up to me at the end of this and says, okay, last year you scared the shit out of me. This year I now see parallels to my own behaviors and a lot of my own bad behaviors and routines and habits. So what do we do? I said, well, that's a great question. I didn't get that far. I just wanted to expose all of these things and then spent the next year answering that question. And that became the book LifeScale, which was, turns out that there is things like digital detox, things like uh, yoga and uh, 
Burning Man and the Insulin Institute, those are all, they're helpful, but they don't solve the problem. Uh, and getting rid of technology, I don't think is is solving the problem either, because this is a digital first world. Yeah, you know, I, just, I mean, we're, I mean, to say to say that technology and, and the theme that has arisen over and over today as we're talking about unleashed leadership is that that un, unleashing from the technology means releasing from it to get the space we need to make yeah, thoughtful to decisions that, you know, that in order for an idea to come in, there has to be space for it. And if it's constant bombardment of like, I'm, I'm taking it in, I'm spitting it out. I'm taking it in, I'm spitting it out. Mm -hmm. There's no room for thoughtful discourse. Right. Uh, and hold that thought right there, because not only is there no room, you have changed your value system without knowing it. And that, that is where the crux of the problem is. Your morality itself has been compromised uh, because you've moved so far from your center without knowing it. And you think you're making decisions from the old you uh, when you are in fact now a conspiracy theorist or whatever it is, or in, 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 intoxicated on getting clout, uh, doing dances that get uh, more likes. And so that, that's- I don't that do dances. I don't do dances for more. Like my dancing is a very private, personal thing. Nobody gets to see that. Nobody, nobody wants to see that. Is really the truth. I would say the same thing for me. But uh, long story short, it is a um, it's a very human journey, uh, and one of which uh, is not a popular. Uh, you have to first admit that you are in a place where you don't admit you are, mm -hmm. uh, and that it can be done. But this is, I think, ultimately where uh, where we're going to have to make an impact is is we're going to have to apply pressure to ensure that we're safe when using our favorite apps and services, because otherwise they're not going to do it on their own. It's not as profitable. Well, that was awesome. And since it was short. And since this is my show, I'm going to take a minute and get real with you guys here. The ideas Brian and I were just digging into, the ideas of responsibility, integrity, and accountability, they're huge. And they're really important. Don't get me wrong. I love Silicon Valley and the sheer magic that's come from there. The very fact you're listening to this show is courtesy of technology. My ability to put this show together and get it out to an audience without needing a traditional radio network, that's also huge. So this isn't a but or an or, it's an and. Technology is great. And we get to be responsible about it. The people who make it get to be in full integrity for what they create. The founder of Twitter and one of the original investors of Facebook both came out publicly apologizing for the monsters they unleashed. All well and good to acknowledge it. But what do we do with it? What's being done? Let's be clear. I'm not suggesting that we get rid of technology. Far from it. I love it. I'm suggesting that we get to be, well, better. How about that? What does that look like? It looks like companies thinking more about the integrity of their offering than merely the bottom line. Make money, yes, make money, make lots of money, but not by climbing on the backs of the people who use your products. Hey, boards of directors, how about doing your jobs? 
How about holding executive teams accountable and enforcing your power? Remove executives whose integrity is in question. And as for you, the folks who build the stuff, here's to us hearing a loud pop. That'll be when you pull your collective heads out of your backsides. Or as I like to say, fix your end of the leash. Okay, so that felt good. And don't worry, there'll be more with Brian. And you won't want to miss it. And I'm sure I'll be ranting again about something. So make sure you click the damn subscribe button. I mean, come on already. We've been hanging out now for weeks and you haven't done that yet? <laughs> and people say I have commitment issues. Sheesh.